Just one moment here and we'll be ready to go. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I have a little different uh, form to this morning's message. Uh, there we go. Um, I'm going to kind of use this verse as a jumping-off point in our exploration of uh, Scripture this morning. And uh, verse 10, I mean, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 simply says, Now, these things, all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, if we would take the context of the entire passage here, Paul is telling the Corinthians he doesn't want them to be ignorant. Things happened in the Old Testament uh, according to God's plan and that these were real stories of real people. I am not normally a fan of fiction, even historical fiction, because there is so much in real life that we can see and understand. Uh, I remember one time I I was actually taking a class, and uh, it was about counseling, and the uh, professor gives us this scenario, and I'm sitting there, right, if you've ever taken that class at Heartland, you know the one I'm talking about, and... uh, I did not read the book uh, thoroughly. I did not have the uh, advantage of some of the things that you would get in the classroom. And so I just wrote the professor back and I said, this is a made-up story. This never would happen in real life. And he said, if you'd have read the textbook, I'd told you that. I said, oh, 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 sorry, my fault. I better uh, pay pay a little more attention here. And, uh, but there are so many things in real life that will help us understand. And the one thing about real life that you have to deal with, there aren't any superheroes. There are no special people with special abilities above and beyond everyone else that can do things. I I think I've had my fill of comic book movies. How about you? Uh, all of these people with... Oh, some people haven't. Well, you enjoy it while you can. But I, I will tell you this. There's going to come somebody with special abilities and special powers. His name's Antichrist. And he's going to be just like the comic book characters. Only he's going to be for real. And he's going to be just as evil as he is real. And the fact that he is coming is according to the Bible. But these stories that we do, uh, we call our Sunday school time through the Bible for a reason. We just work our way through the Bible. Uh, We just started Genesis for the ninth time. Now, we've been at this since 1994, so it's been a little while. And we're going to keep going through the Bible over and over again till Jesus comes. And when you don't show up for Sunday school, you know what my first thought is? 
and I'm just be honest here. My first thought is that you think you know enough about the Bible, you don't need Sunday school. And I want to tell you something, none of us are there, ever, ever, ever. We, we, need, we need that time. Because these things that are in the Bible, in the Old Testament, are living illustrations of what can happen to us today. And so, as I was preparing the Sunday school lesson and getting things ready, I just could not get out of my mind, remember Lot's wife. How many of you know who said those words? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, we're just going to take those living examples, living illustrations, and of course, we can't cover everything in Lot's life. We're just going to touch on a few spots here and hopefully get something out of this that is going to challenge you and I to live for God today. Now, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Oh, that's why that looks weird. Okay, sorry. It was in Exodus 13. Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 13. In verse 8, it says, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then will I go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then will I go to the left. Now, Lot was faced with a choice here. He was given a choice. How many of you have made choices this week? I mean... The group here from uh, Oklahoma City, they had to choose which venues they were going to go to, what sites they were going to see, because you can't see everything in a week. I've lived here 26 years, and I still haven't seen everything. And there are just certain things I never intend to see in New York City, by God's grace. Uh, but we, we live here in this city, and we, we have to make choices. I mean, we live right between... And NW line and the R line. So when you go into Manhattan, uh, which one is going to advantage me? Do I get on the N line or do I go to the uh, out to Steinway Street and get on the R line? Uh, and if you're trying to go downtown, you got to make sure you get off the N train before it crosses Canal Street because once you're on the other side of Canal Street, you're going to Brooklyn, not downtown. I mean, you really get yourself in a mess. How many? Choices do we make? Lot was given a choice here. Now, let's look at Lot's choice. Verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one for the other. 
verse 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord. What's that last word? Exceedingly. Now, let me just ask a question here. Obviously, these words were not penned by Abram or Lot. Uh, Moses wrote these things down, and it's very easy for people to read into the Bible things that weren't there. Uh, many, uh, many people will read this passage and say, oh, yeah, I mean, after the Lord destroyed, obviously this was written after all these events because uh, Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed by God. There was nothing living in that area of the world. And, and, and so they put this phrase... In here, the men of Sodom were seating sinners before God exceedingly. And it ends with that word there. Sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And they said, well, that was an after the fact. Now, let me just ask you a question. How many of you believe that as Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, that he already had a better than a pretty good idea what was going on in that city when he faced his tent in that direction. If you agree with me, go like this. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that the, the uh, uh, testimony, the, uh, the history of this city, what people knew about this area was well known as Lot fixed his attention in that direction. Now, let's just talk about this. What did he do? He beheld the plains that they were well watered. You know what well watered plains are for? Feeding flocks. Right? And they had so many flocks that there was strife. There wasn't enough water. There wasn't enough pasture. And Lot's going, I'll never run out of pasture down here. Let's, let's just lust of the flesh. That it was beautiful, like the garden of the Lord. Uh, lust of the eyes. And that the sin, men of Sodom were exceeding sinners before the Lord. May I dare say it on this day, the pride of life. You see, the devil has no new tricks. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Lot made a choice based on those things. Now, the results of that choice were catastrophic. But I want you to know that This wasn't very long after Abraham had moved to the land of Canaan. He was 75 when he went into the land of Canaan. He would be 100 years old when Isaac was born. And so uh, there was quite a period of years there between the separation of Lot and Abraham. 
that things went very well for Lot for quite a while. His goods would have been increased. In fact, it may have been some of Lot's flocks and his riches and his things that were in the pastures that the kings of the uh, east, the, the kings of Shinar, when they sacked that entire area, that it was uh, part of Lot's possessions that they were after. And then Abraham rescues him. And Lot's running around going, that's my Uncle Abe. He took care of you all. You better be nice to me. Because he defeated the armies that defeated you. And if he decided to come back, he could take everything here, you know. It might be in your interest to treat me well. And they did. They made him the honorary mayor of Sodom. He sat in the gate. That's where the king sits in the Bible. Follow that through. Now, the reason I use the term honorary is because when Lot came out that fateful night before the city was destroyed, was anybody listening to Lot? And and I want to ask this question this morning. I want us to think about this. We live in a very dark and wicked world, do we not? And everywhere we go, we hear this voice saying, Can't we just get along? Why do you have to persecute us? We have our rights too. And then what the world is full of? Can I challenge you? As a child of God, you cannot be part of, compete with, or gain the favor of the world. Those are lies from the devil himself. They're the same lies that he used to influence Lot, to get Lot to make that choice... And there are choices that we make that change the entire scope and sequence of our life. Uh, I often, when I talk to young people, just uh, preached a sermon on four decisions. Of course, number one is whether you're saved or not, serve God in the church. Uh, where you go to Bible college or if you go to Bible college. What you're going to do with your life. Who you marry. I mean, those decisions change everything about you. They change. The decision to get saved changes your eternity. The decision to serve God, God's way. How many preachers I've met over the years that have looked for something bigger than the local church. And I know they're headed for heartache. There's nothing bigger in God's mind, in God's Word. There is no greater place of service than in a local visible assembly of believers. I met one preacher one time as I was moving into the city and he had all of these thoughts and plans. And about seven or eight years into here, he 
somebody said, do you know so-and-so's leaving? And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And uh, this preacher had taken special time to rake me over the coals because I wouldn't go work for him. Uh, that I was going to go, I was called to an area. Uh, yeah, God sent us to Astoria. I think I could prove that now pretty easily. Amen. Uh, but at that point, there was very little here. And he, but he was leaving the city. And I said, what, what's going on here? What, what, what happened? He said, oh, he said, I ran out of tricks. Those were his very words. And it, it really shook me. Because here is a man standing in a pulpit before people every Sunday, pastoring a church. Second generation. I mean, he had someone build the church before he got there. He followed uh, there and all of these things. And he ran out of tricks and left town. Terrifying. But I want to tell you something. I know enough about that situation to know that there were some choices made many years before to start looking out toward the world to see what it had to offer to help me, help him reach people. You see, this world, no matter how great the education may be, no matter how wonderful things are, There is nothing out there in this world that can help you serve Christ. That's why we don't allow the world's music into our services. That's why we're careful about things. That's why we're careful about our Bible. We do not want worldly, unsaved scholarship determining what we believe about the Word of God. Those are... Choices that have to be made. And and Lot made a choice. That choice looked really good for quite a long time. Probably as many as 10 or 15 years. Maybe 20 years. I mean, 20 years would be a pretty good run for anybody now, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that, uh, if you work for a union, you can get 20 years. You get full, repent, full retirement, and, and they won't give you your pension until you get to 65. But, man, I mean, you're, you're pretty good sailing. You can retire and do something less strenuous. Lot, Lot had a good run. He had what we might call a whole lifetime there. But by the time it was all done, he lost everything but his salvation now, didn't he? Living in a cave. You see, the Bible says that we need to make some choices. The first one is salvation. Amen? Do you know that God will not save you unless you choose to be saved? We're not Calvinists here. We don't play games with God's Word and God's grace. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And you know what? I I have used my phone many times and dialed a number and somebody else's voice answered. Oh, I'm sorry, I dialed the wrong number. 
But then what do you do? You look very carefully, get your readers out and put them on so you can see the keypad. and You punch the right number and the person that you're trying to usually comes up. If you're going to get saved, you must choose to call upon the name of the Lord in faith, believing that only He can save you. Can we say amen to that? It's just that simple. Uh, many people say, well, I'm not sure that, that I have, uh, have the right kind of faith. Now, wait a minute. Who, who saves you? Do you save you? Does your prayer save you? Wrong. God saves you. That's why the publican prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, just because you repeat those words, does that mean you're going to heaven? No. Because there's got to be faith in those words. There's, there's got to be a willful choice. See, one of the biggest problems of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is unbelieving all the garbage that's attached to it. Isn't that true? And so, the first thing we can learn as we look through the life of Lot is Lot made a decision based on what he knew would provide for his physical needs, what he could see, and the allure of being great and having good things happen to him, of, of gaining powerful and influential friends. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But I want you to turn with me now to Second Peter chapter 2. And I, I'm telling you, other than this being printed in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. But since it's printed in the Bible, I have no choice but to believe what the Bible says. And, and that there is no contradiction here. We, we've established that God doesn't make mistakes. And so God is talking here. Uh, Peter is actually speaking about the work of God. In verse 6, we'll get the context. In turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered... What's that next word? Read it out loud. Let's try that again. And delivered... Now, wait a minute. Does that sound right to you? I mean, that... That one kind of just goes... Wait a minute. I know an awful lot about what. And none of it's just. Would you agree with me on that? But I didn't write the Bible. That's a good thing. God did. Do you think God... Well, let's finish the passage here. And delivered just Lot... Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now, that makes sense. For that... Uh-oh, there's another one of those words. Let's read it out loud together. For that righteous... Let's try it again. For that... 
man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Doesn't that word righteous in there talking about Lot just kind of, whoa, wait a minute. Just? Righteous? Lot? Verse 9. For the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, just, righteous, godly. Lot? Yeah. You know why? Because God said so. But look what he says about Lot. For the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. You know something we can learn from Lot? That God never forsakes those that believe in Him. I don't know about you, but that is so comforting. If there is one thing that we really don't get, and we're talking about today, and we're talking about Lot too, he's a perfect illustration of it, is that we are not concerned with the things that we really ought to be concerned about. And we're totally concerned with the things that we ought not be worried about at all. How many of you have ever had someone do you injury, try to hurt you as an individual? Most of us have. You know what? That, that is a consuming thing, is it not? I mean, people go crazy over that. Cut them off in traffic and they'll follow you 50 miles down the road trying to cut you off again. Uh, I mean, people uh, go crazy over things, over perceived injustice. I'll never forgive them for what they did to me. Well, you need to read what the Bible says about forgiveness. If you can't forgive them, God's not forgiven you. And that's not based on you and your forgiveness. That's based on God and His forgiveness. That's the problem. If I understand God's forgiveness, not only has He forgiven me every sin that I've ever sinned, He has paid the price for every sin that has been ever sinned. And my only hope and prayer for another human being is that they will find the same forgiveness that God offers. But here we have Lot called just, righteous, and godly. So the question I want us, first question that I want us to think about, the first thought is, we've got to make choices. Lot made his choice based on all the wrong reasons, and we can see so thoroughly illustrated how that that one wrong choice set up the loss of everything that could be considered good and normal in Lot's life, his whole life. It was gone. He, he died an old hermit in a cave, ashamed to even come out and buy food. It was, it was just 
an utter end worse than any you could imagine. But here in the New Testament, Lot's called just, righteous, and godly. Because how do you become just? The Bible says Jesus came to justify us. One preacher put it this way many years, just as if I had never sinned. An easy way to remember what the word just means. Well, how do we get a record like that? Through the payment of Jesus Christ for our sins on the cross. How do you get righteousness? The armor of God talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The thing I I love about that is righteousness doesn't come from me. I don't get that protection from myself and from my right decisions. I get that protection from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His Word that will guide my heart into the right decisions. It's His Word that will result in righteousness. You see, God cannot allow one sin into heaven. Uh, if you are totally without sin, does that, does that qualify for being godly? Yeah, it does. Every sin was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if I will accept God's forgiveness, if I'll make that choice, He will make me just, righteous, and godly. Now, I do want you to understand something. When they're handing out rewards for service in heaven, uh, I don't think Lot's going to be in that line. Uh, Is that fair to say? Uh, I think it would be. The Bible talks about those who are saved having even their garments spotted by the world. Uh, I think that's where Lot's going to come in when we're casting our crowns before the feet of him who sits upon the throne and reigns forever and ever. Read Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Lot and others who have followed after him are going to be standing there going, because they're not going to have anything to do. In Jesus' commands to letters to his churches, he said, Hold fast that which thou hast, lest any man take thy reward. And so we need to understand something here. If you have made that choice to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have claimed his forgiveness for your sins and he has saved you, God is never going to lose you. And you can end up just like Lot did. Or you can choose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and make your life count for God. Amen? Amen? Then let's go to Luke chapter 17.
And we get down to verse 32, and this is where Jesus in his sermon makes that statement that got me started on this whole thing in the first place. As I was studying the life of Lot for the Sunday school lesson, remember Lot's wife. What are we supposed to remember about Lot's wife? Well, let's um, go back to verse 29, or verse 28. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day in which he shall be upon... I'm sorry, in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Well, here is the illustration that God has given these, back to our first verse, these things happen unto them for examples, for examples for you and I. Lot's wife had no intention of becoming a pillar of salt. Would you agree with me on that? But she could not undo the 20 years of choices that her and her husband had made as they were leaving the city. She had at least two daughters in that city. More than likely, more than two. And she had grandchildren in that city. And she couldn't leave without one last look at the world. And God's judgment consumed her along with the inhabitants of the cities of the plain. Uh, the Marshall family used to sing a song, I'll leave without saying goodbye, talking about the rapture. And beautiful little song with a banjo and mandolin, just enjoyable to listen to. When Jesus comes, we don't know when it's going to happen now, do we? Jesus was teaching on his return here. And he said, I want you to remember Lot's wife. You see, we often try to be ready. I remember years and years when we first started here, I had a dear preacher friend of mine, one of the men that helped train me in the ministry. I don't want to give his name because this isn't extremely positive, but he... He told me over and over again, he says, you need to be ready when it happens. And by that, he was talking about civil unrest or disaster. And he says, you've got to get your family out of that city. And my first thought is, if something happens and I'm here, you're not getting anywhere. They closed the bridges and you're done. By the way, it did happen a few years ago. On 9-11. My only regret was I wasn't in the city. 
I was at a preacher meeting with Brother Sam, actually. And uh, the simple point is, look at the next verse. The words of Jesus say it better than anything we could say. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Do you believe that's why Lot's wife turned around and looked one last time in disobedience to the warning that the angels had given them? And she was seeking to save something that would remind her of her daughters, grandchildren that were about to die in the destruction of that great city. That there might be some last bit effort that she could do to reach them and to cause them to want to leave the city with them. Couldn't be done. You see, if we learn anything about Lot's life, we learn that whenever that great time of pressure and trial and crisis comes in your life, you're going to do what you've prepared your heart to do. All of those choices over the years that the Lot family had made of living, actually moving their tent from headed toward and facing Sodom to into the city itself, giving up the tent, becoming a citizen, even sitting in the gate as their honorary mayor and thinking that the world thought well of him. Didn't work out too well now, did it? I've had people over the years, so many, say, well, listen, all I'm trying to do is get my life together. When I get my life together, I'll be in church. I'm to the point now in the ministry and that I'm old enough to look them in the eyes and say, well, I don't expect to ever see you then. Because you'll never get your life together. You don't have what you need to get your life together. Only Jesus can put your life together. You've got... Well, what if, he, what if he makes me a missionary? Oh, I love that. Oh. You know, you can't even show up for church. Don't worry about God sending you to the mission field. All right? Uh, let's start with the basics. Can, can we please? Can we start by making choices? That move me toward God. You know, that's, that's how simple it is. You cannot move toward God until you surrender in salvation. What do you have to surrender to get saved? Everything. You can't keep your career plan. You can't keep your... And it's all got to be on the altar if you're going to trust God with your life. Can we say amen to that? 
And if you're going to live for God, it's the same way. Does that mean God's going to make you a homeless person living on the streets? No, read your Bible. God doesn't want that for any of His people. In fact, the only people of God that have lived like that were people who were being hunted by people who hated Jesus Christ and forced to flee their homes and and all of these things just to preserve their lives. And there's many, many stories. The, the Bible says in in, uh, in the Bible says of whom the world was not worthy. Wouldn't that be a wonderful epitaph on your tombstone? Of whom the world was not worthy. That'd be saying an awful lot now, wouldn't it? You see, we don't know when Jesus is coming. That's why we're supposed to remember Lot's wife. That quick. And and don't get caught up in these signs and wonders. Every so often on the subways, you'll have somebody passing out papers. 666, 666, 666. How many of you have seen those guys on the subways? I mean, I always just want to snicker under my breath. They're ridiculous. I know it's not any good to get my Bible out and try to help them because they're beyond that. You won't have time to get ready when Jesus comes. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you understand that passage correctly, if you've rejected Jesus Christ, you've heard the message and you've rejected Jesus Christ, you've refused to make that choice to believe on Him When Antichrist comes, you will believe on him. That's how good he's going to be. That's why Jesus takes his church out before the Antichrist reveals himself. Number one, every Bible believer is saying, that's not the real one, that's the fake one. The Bible says so. Well, God's not going to give us that opportunity. We have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus before He shows up. And we don't know when He's coming. I will tell you this. If you seek to save your life, if you seek that quote-unquote good life, that American dream, if that's that's your goal, you're going to lose it all. Lot had it all. And he lost it. If we're going to look at Lot's life, if we're going to learn from the example of Lot... Number one, you got to make right choices. You got to make Bible-based choices. Number two, God's forgiveness never runs out. You can turn to God. But see, Lot made choices and then he made other choices. And by the time he found himself old and alone, there was no place to go. You don't want to be there. Start serving God today. Because Jesus is coming. He could come before the end of this service. There is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. Nothing that needs to happen. Jesus' return could be today for His church. 
I used to play a song on the saxophone. Uh, uh, work for the night is coming. And uh, I would introduce that. Um, actually, it was uh, Send the Light. And I mixed, uh, my wife and I arranged it with the taps from uh, military. And you see, we're supposed to send the light until Jesus comes. We're going to hear a trumpet. It's going to play revelry for us because we're going to wake up in eternity on the right side. But every bad thing in the book of Revelation is going to begin the moment that trumpet sounds. And it's all going to happen. And if you want any encouragement to trust Jesus today, uh, remember Lot's wife. If you have walked out of the way and you're not in fellowship with God as you should be, I want to challenge you. Remember Lot's wife and surrender to his word today. Amen? And if you're here and you're not saved, would you remember Lot's wife? You have no guarantees of tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Lessons from Lot's life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and during this time of invitation we ask that you would help each one of us to act upon God's Word. 